Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, good morning, good morning, good morning, good Monday morning. Here we are off and running Thanksgiving week and a huge week ahead. Welcome to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. We invite you to join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We also ask that you please subscribe to the program. Thousands of you are already. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, please do so. Search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman wherever you get your podcasts and you're dialed in. This was a solid all-around win. Rock solid. The offense was good. Maybe not great. Good. Joe Burrow throws for four touchdowns. Does get intercepted twice. Samaje Pirine, how about him? Brilliant filling in for the concussed Joe Mixon, scoring a career-best three receiving touchdowns. Passing game was good, didn't run it very well, but okay. The defense was just okay in the first half, fantastic in the second half. Lou Anarumo can coach him up. And the kicking game was back, money Mac looked like Money Mac. And not a bad debut for LaSalle grad. And Ohio State Buckeye Drew Christman is a new punter. Congratulations to him. Also was the holder for Money Mac this week. It all adds up to a 37-30 win over the Steelers, sending the Bengals to 6-4 on the year. As you know, it's their first win inside the division. And as of this morning, as we sit here right now, the Bengals own the final playoff spot in the AFC. Naturally, lots more coming up on this game. We'll visit with the boys, Casey McAllister, Paul Fritschner donning the TCU Horn Frog sweatshirt. It's a victory Monday, Tom. Great to be with you. How you guys doing? I'm doing good, but I thought you told him not to wear that. I said TCU would win and Baylor would cover. And how about that? And I'm wearing the purple and white. That was one of the most unbelievable endings to a game I have ever seen at any level. We'll get to that. Got plenty of time uh, for that. We have Brian Billick a little bit later on in the program and talk about some of the things going on in the NFL. And, of course, our picks. More on that later. (laughs) Elsewhere in the AFC North, the Ravens, I mean, they look terrible. On offense, just awful against a really bad Carolina team. But Lamar Jackson and company, as they normally do, they make plays when it matters most. So Baltimore beats Carolina 13-3. to Ravens still the division leaders at 7-3. and Now you talk about, what's your word, Casey? Um, your favorite word. They stink. Yes, they do. The Browns stink. I mean, they stink. They stink. They go up early on Buffalo, 10-3. to They move that game, as you know, because of all the snow in western New York. They move that game indoors to Ford Field in Detroit. And the Brownies are looking good. They're up 10-3. to And then they can't do anything. I mean, nothing until the final few minutes. By that time, they were really cooked. I mean, they had a shot at an onside kick. But, you know, they run quarterback sneaks. When you got Nick Chubb, and I know Chubb did not have a big game at all. In fact, the Bills shut him down. But if you're going to run Brissett or Chubb on third or fourth and one, who are you running? Kevin Stefanski thought, 
Let's go with Jacoby Brissett. They lose to the Bills 31-23. When you watch that team play, how in the world do the Bengals get boat raced by that team? And they got boat raced by that team. That's what I was trying to say that week of the game. They're terrible and they got killed. Not good. This is what the Bengals are. We just got to live with it. <laughs> wow. They, wow. They, they are gotta really – live they, with they, it? They go really, really high. They're on top of the mountain. And the next week, they boom, just all the way down the depths of the ocean. It just Casey, it's Victory Monday. It's I need victory some more Monday. positivity I, out of you. I'm, I'm, I'm all about them being the Steelers. Let's be real here. I'm excited, ecstatic. But how did they lose against the team that stinks like that? Like, Boy, I mean, the just, last two weeks, they have – oh, they've been brutal outside of a game here, a game there. But, I mean, they've just been brutal uh, all year long. But the last two weeks, Miami and now Buffalo, those are good teams. But, I mean, come on. Uh, in other notable games, good Lord. Did the wise guys know what they were talking about last week? <laughs> Talked about the Cowboys being favored at Minnesota. And, boy, were they favored. They were awesome. The Vikings were not. Dallas sacks Kirk Cousins seven times in a 40-3 to route. Ending Minnesota's seven-game winning streak, Tony Pollard has become the focal point of that Cowboys offense. He rushes for 80. He has over 100 receiving yards. The Cowboys are now 7-3 and three on the year. But that's still behind Philly. They rally to beat Indy. 17-16 in the closing moments. Philadelphia 9-1. Pillow fight of the weekend. <laughs> Was in New England. Did you see the end of this game? Let's roll this. Now, now, let me set it up real quick before we roll it, okay? These two offenses, it is three to 3-3 three with 10 seconds left in the game. Looks like they're going to overtime, right? The Jets decide to punt. All they got to do is tackle the guy, and you're going to overtime. But guess what happened? Casey, please. Yeah. I mean, look at this. All you have to do is tackle Marcus Jones. Just get Can't him. do it there. Oh. Can't do it there. Oh. Can't do it there. Oh, the punter. Oh, just barely missed him. Here comes the block in the back, right? There. Oh, they like conferred with the league afterwards, and they said it was not. Really? Right from the side. Yep. Oh. Talked about it late last night. But he wasn't going to make the tackle anyway. Well, it doesn't matter. We could have covered three, Casey. Think no. with your head. No, I think with your head. I picked New England. You guys are the both that picked the state. We were Tom and I were covering league. for fifty nine minutes and fifty one seconds Jets, of that game. Jets, they Jets. stink. They do. Eighty four yard touchdown with five seconds officially left. Zach Wilson. I, I don't know if this guy is living in um, another world on another planet. He was nine for twenty two, seventy seven yards. The, the, the Jets barely had 100 yards of offense for the entire game. They've lost to the Patriots 14 times in a row. Did you see the comments made by Garrett Wilson after the game? What did Garrett Wilson say? Garrett Wilson went off. I mean, <laughs> went off. Standout rookie receiver. He says that we're not holding guys accountable for what's happening in practice. We're letting stuff slip through the cracks. And he said, it's everybody. He said, me too. 
But he had very choice words with some colorful language. And I mean went off. And then they asked Zach Wilson. And Zach talked about the wind and the conditions. And now, what? Mac Jones only managed three points. They didn't score a touchdown. But he was like 22 for 28. And when Zach Wilson was asked, do you feel responsible for the loss? Does the offense feel responsible for the loss? No. No. Twice. Said no twice. No. Late last night, Kansas City, they're the team to beat in the AFC. There's no doubt about that. They get three touchdown passes from Patrick Mahomes, beat the Chargers 30-27. KC now 8-2 on the year and the top spot, top seed in the AFC. Monday night football tonight from Mexico City. The 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. Now we get to the sport that you talk about every weekend. And that's college football. Another huge... Oh, you made, you, you thought we were going the World Cup. I think Brandon did. Well, they are in um, San Paulo. And they are in Wales. Not San Hamilton. That's exactly right. <laughs> Very well put. That being Hamilton, Ohio, the Espanol version. You want to say that again? San Hamilton. Thank you very much. <laughs> Another huge weekend of college football, playoff implications, and we are down to the final weekend of the regular season this coming Saturday. We start with UC, and it's bid for a conference championship and what would be the possibility, possibility not guaranteed, of a New Year's Six Bowl appearance for what would be a third straight year. The Bearcats rolled over a bad Temple team, 23-3. Big story there. The Bearcats lose starting quarterback Ben Bryant to an injury. In fact, he was seen in a walking boot, needing crutches on the sideline. So Wyoming grad Evan Prater took over. He hit 12 out of 17 for 127 yards, ran for another 24. He only led the team to a pair of field goals in an entire half of play. No word yet on who starts a season finale, and it is an enormous game for UC. They play against Tulane. If the Bearcats win, they not only play in the American Conference Championship game against UCF, but because UCF was shocked over the weekend by Navy, if UC can win, it's UC and UCF at Nippert Stadium, a rematch of that game. Number one, Georgia, slowed down big time by Kentucky's defense. But the Dogs' defense was even better. They hold the Wildcats to less than 300 yards of offense, a sluggish 16-6 win, but a win nonetheless for number one, Georgia, in Lexington. Number two, Ohio State, shaky in the first half against a good Maryland team. Maryland's got a nice team. I can't believe that team had only lost three games all year long. But a star was born in Columbus in the second half. The Buckeyes beat Maryland 43-30 with injuries to star running backs Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. Freshman Dallin Hayden, we mentioned this young man on this very program four or five weeks ago, said watch out for this kid. He goes 27 rushes, 146 yards, and three second-half touchdowns. And you know what's up next. The game. Can you believe that Cal and Stanford refer to that game as the game? I used to rib Brian Billick all the time about that. The game. Boy, we know what the game is. 
And that will be in Columbus, Ohio at high noon this Saturday. First time in 15 years, both teams will come rolling in undefeated. That team up north against the mighty Buckeyes. Ohio State ranked number two. The other team ranked number three. Michigan barely survives over the weekend. A late second field goal to beat Illinois. 1917 in Ann Arbor. And how about number four TCU? I mean, it is just unbelievable to watch this team every week. Whether you like them, hate them, don't care about them. They're unbelievable to watch. We say it every Monday. They find a way to win games late. But this past weekend was almost beyond belief. If you didn't see it, they're down by eight points, six minutes to go. They rally to beat Baylor on a walk-off field goal, 29-28. You had to see it to believe it. So they score a touchdown. They have to go for two to tie the game. And the ball is dropped. Should have been a two-point conversion to tie it. So Baylor gets a ball back, goes three and out. TCU gets a ball, 130 to go, no timeouts. They get in field goal range. And I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there with my daughter, who's a TCU gal, home for the holidays. I'm throwing stuff at the television because they're running the ball with no timeouts. And then what every team does, they practice it every single week, countless times, but you rarely have to do it. They run the ball with 25 seconds left. Off goes the offense. In rushes a field goal unit. The kicker's not playing all those silly games of taking a step back and two steps to the left and all this sort of nonsense. He just sets up. They snap the ball. They kick the field goal from 40 out and win the game. TCU hosts Iowa State in the season finale Saturday, then on to the Big 12 title game against either Kansas State, who is red hot, or a rematch of last week's game against Texas. But here's where the drama begins. Number five, Tennessee, goes down to South Carolina and gets absolutely destroyed. 63 to 38. We knew their defense stunk, but goodness gracious. 600 yards allowed by a team the prior week against Florida that scored three points. Very sad footnote in this game, though. Hendon Hooker's had an unbelievable year. The quarterback for Tennessee, he might win the Heisman Trophy. I don't know. But, uh, you know, one of those plays you see in every sport. Uh, he goes off the left side, looked like an RPO, decided to hold it, was going to run it, goes to make the cut, and just collapses. And it's a torn ACL. We certainly pray for his good health and a speedy recovery. He's been an amazing story, one of the great stories in college football this year. But Tennessee now with two losses out of the playoff race. LSU wins, stays in the hunt, but they have to play Georgia if they win this weekend in the SEC championship game. And in the AP poll anyway, they have been leapfrogged by the Southern California Trojans. Did you see any of that game? Yeah, it was great. It was an awesome game. Back that and was forth. an awesome game. It was. I tell you, that kid, uh, I know Caleb Williams, a quarterback for SC, had a phenomenal game. But that, that, that quarterback um, for UCLA, 
he's got a hyphenated name, Dorian Thompson, Thompson Robinson. Yeah, yeah, Thompson. I mean, he that, that that kid as gutsy a performance by uh, any player I've seen in a long, long time. He kept getting killed and just kept coming back. It was a shooty shootout, forty-eight, forty-five. The Trojans have just one loss, and if they went out which means they have to beat Notre Dame in the Coliseum this weekend, and the Irish are red hot. Then they play the Pac-12 title game against either Oregon, who USC has not played this year, or Washington. All in all, it shapes up to be one fabulous weekend of college football. College hoops, Paul, you were there. I was. Xavier gave number 12 Indiana all it wanted Friday night at the sold-out Cintas Center. But at the final buzzer, the Hoosiers escape 81-79. That's a tough game. So oh. is Xavier not playing? They're playing in a tournament now. Is that right? Yeah, PK-85. It's, uh, it's Phil Knight's. It's the Phil Knight for his 85th birthday out in Portland. This so that's week. where they're playing Florida? That's where I'll be this week. I'm going out there tomorrow. You're a yep. big leaguer. Villanova, UConn, and Xavier out there. So I'm covering all three teams for the Big East. Big league operator. So, yep. Big league operator. Should be a good week. That'll be Thursday Huge night, week. right? This is one of – and, and I'm, I know we don't have to spend a ton of time on college hoops because there's a lot more to get to with football. But just as an aside for college basketball, this is probably the best Maui field that there has been maybe ever or at least in a long time. Plus the PK-85. Plus Dayton is down in the battle for Atlantis that has a lot of good teams. This is maybe the best feast week of hoops for college basketball in a long time. Plus, you have the World Cup. Plus, the Ohio the State. What? Uh, it's the soccer thing that's going on right now. Okay. All right. Started yesterday. Okay. And we're uh, going to get to that. These guys are going to break it down. I told them to make it short and sweet. But uh, but then but then football and everything else. I mean, this is setting up for an all time week in sports. It it really right. is. It really is. Uh, speaking of, you know, um, UC is playing in that field as you mentioned. Yep. Uh, so they open the Maui Classic tonight against number 14, Arizona. You mentioned the rest of that field. You got San Diego State, you didn't even mention that. San Diego State picked to, pick to win the Mountain West. Arkansas picked second in the SEC. Arizona picked second in the Pac-12. Creighton picked to win the Big East. Then Ohio State, Texas Tech picked fifth in the Big 12. It's a loaded field. Don't sleep on Ohio State's basketball team this year. They got some players. And UC better bring its A game out in Maui, or it could be a three-day sweep yeah. on the heels of the loss to our good friend Coach Horn and the Norse. The Norse. Those are my guys now, moving forward. I'm going to go over there to some games. Last night, number two, Gonzaga drills. Number six, Kentucky, 88-72. Wildcats have lost two in a row. Number five, Baylor. Beats Mick Cronin at number eight, UCLA, 80-75. Ohio University goes to Ann Arbor and gets jobbed. They lose <laughs> to the Wolverines in overtime, 70-66. They got jobbed. One of the most incredible endings to a basketball. I've never seen anything like what happened at the end of regulation in that game. They never got jobbed. Like Again, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised, especially against that team. Uh, and North Carolina, the number one ranked team in the country, easily handles James Madison, 80-64. to and finally, the U.S. men's national team takes on Wales today, 2 o'clock Eastern, in the team's opening match of the World Cup. Millions upon millions, if not tens of millions, and I don't say that facetiously, I say that seriously, will be watching that game. Fox has the coverage yep. to the entire World Cup. So look, before we get to all the football, we got Zim Hude coming up. 
I just got a note from Brian Billick. He's going to be closer to 11.30. So we may have to do the picks at 11 and shift things up here today a little bit. Okay, that's fine. We can do that. Um, But we got Zim Hude coming up at 10.40. So before we get to him, please walk some of us through the World Cup, which is officially underway. We mentioned the United States men's team plays today against Wales. And I guess Wales... Paul, you said has not been in the World Cup, qualified for the World Cup in a long, long time. No, very, very long time. But basically, I'll make this as short and sweet as possible. Casey, if, if you have anything to add that I leave out, feel free to go ahead and add it. Um, but I'll make this as, as efficient as I can. There are going to be uh, group group stage matches, as they call it. That's what you. That's what the U.S. is playing in today. You play three group stage matches. There's four teams in each group. In the World Cup, the top two teams from each group move on to the knockout stage. This is a month-long event, the World Cup is. 16 teams qualify for the knockout stage, and from there it's like just March Madness or anything else. A single elimination 16-team tournament the rest of the way. And that's why you'll see in group stage, like today against Wales or Friday against England, uh, or or their next match against Iran, which I think is on Sunday next week, um, the U.S. can draw. They, they can tie in the group stage. You can't tie, obviously, in the knockout round. There has to be a winner. But the U.S. can draw. It's a point-based system, so you get one point for a draw, three points for a win, and the top two point-getters out of the round-robin group stage format move on. Now, the U.S.'s group, we always joke, every, every World Cup, the people joke about the group of death. This is the highest... FIFA ranking uh, on average for a group. There are better teams in other groups, but the U.S.'s group has the highest average ranking uh, of teams with um, within the U.S.'s group. So it, it's a pretty it's a pretty talented group. U.S., England, Wales, and Iran are are in the U.S.'s group. So that's something to look for opening match today. That's as short and sweet as I can keep it. Casey, no, he he summed it up pretty pretty. Uh... Pretty spectacular, and, honestly. And the one thing that I will add when you talk about how popular uh, the World Cup is, just for people that really don't know anything about it or don't follow it at all, it is the biggest sporting event in the world. And when you talk about how many people watch the, the Super Bowl, 100, 110, 120, 130 million, over a billion, with a B, over a billion people will watch the World Cup yes. final. So uh, just to put in perspective the audience that this event has – this is the only thing that matters to the rest of the world outside of the United States. But in the United States... Well, what the hell do they have besides that in sports? I mean, <laughs> they sure on. don't have I the mean, game. What do they have? They sure don't have... Out loud. Good Lord, they don't have Ohio State. <laughs> they don't have Michigan and <laughs> Ohio State. They don't have the college football playoff. <laughs> That's right, Tom. They don't have the Ohio University playing Maction for the East title on the line tomorrow night in A-Town. They don't have UC and Xavier... Playing college hoops. They don't have the Norse. They don't have the fighting Norse. Is O'Rourke okay? The quarterback for Bobcats? Don't know. Waiting to find out. Mm. It's hard to get news out of Athens. I've been hunting around for that. Haven't gotten to it. I mean, we got some guys bringing it now on the chat board. I mean, Don, I mean, this guy is killing Ohio State in Big Ten football. He says it's boring. He says you turn around, just hand the ball off. Don, it's eight degrees. I mean, seriously, right? Kentucky and Georgia played in a game that was very cold, very cold in Lexington, 
and it was 16 to 6. I mean, come on. You got to play in the elements. It has nothing to do with the quality of play. You have to adapt your game. Sir Boy Wonder says they haven't been anything since Landon Donovan. <laughs> and, and we have uh, a young lady, I'm assuming it's a young lady named Sharon, who is uh, really fired up today. Talking about Tom. She says, I love soccer. Why don't you give it a try? I love soccer. I played soccer in high school for a team that was a state runner-up. I love soccer. But I mean, now that I'm uh, at times an adult, at other times, not so much. But it's hard to watch a sport when scores are one to nothing. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. That's why there is no comparison. And I don't know, we, I know we don't have a World Cup of lacrosse, but there's no comparison between the two sports. Zero. No comparison whatsoever. Fun, exciting, physical. You know, I have guys flopping around on the ground. They should just, oh, God, I got hit. They should just do I shootouts. I mean, it's pathetic. They it's should, pathetic. They should just line up after every game once it does end up in a tie, go into some overtime rules. Don't. Forget extra time. Let's just go into like PKs. Any sport up. that ends in a tie, and football should make sure it doesn't happen. Any sport that ends of a tie is not a sport. Hockey, too. That's not a sport if you end in a tie. You either win or you lose. This isn't California participation trophy stuff. It's a beautiful game. That's why It I is a beautiful game. I just said I like soccer. But you can't end games in ties. Yeah. All right, I'm sure I've, I've infuriated half of our audience here today, and they may never come back. <laughs> I pray you do stay with us. Uh, Don says, soccer's not my thing. Uh, but, you know, we always salute every single week, every single week, our U.S. veteran who's here. And he says, if you're not watching today at 2 o'clock, you're not a real American. And you know what? I'll buy into that. I will buy into that because a real American – We'll watch that game. And I consider myself a real American. So I'll be dialed in. What time is it? 10.30. 10.30. Gosh, we're only 30 minutes in. This <laughs> thing is sinking fast. Well, We've got some uh, guests in the studio today. Young men, all three of you from Hamilton, Baden. Is that right? Nice to have you guys shadowing here today, right? Well, you're learning a lot. You're, any of you guys soccer players? No? <laughs> Right. <laughs> resounding endorsement <laughs> I, I told you I love soccer I played soccer um, our kids used to play soccer I helped coach soccer um, I, I just would like to see uh, look we've been kidding around a lot I just like to see a little more action nothing infuriates me more when I watch a soccer match and, and this is true at the high school level too and I, I went to uh, Marymount High School where our kids go they had a really nice deep run, both the boys and the girls, both district champions got beat in the regional semis or finals, whatever it was. Um, but it makes me crazy when I watch guys that are like 10 yards out and they're passing three feet instead of taking a shot. In every sport there is that has what's called a shot, you can't score if you don't shoot. True? That's, I would agree. I mean, I'm not the brightest bulb in the room. That's a but Wayne you Gretzky can't code. score if you don't shoot. That's what Wayne Gretzky said, right? Did he say that? Michael Pretty Scott, sure. Michael 
well, it's it's Wayne Gretzky. He said that. Red card to Tom, says Sharon Peters, for not caring about the World Cup. I do, Sharon. I care about it. I do care about it. I do. A lot of people, like Don said, he says, hey, I think for me, I didn't grow up with the game. Uh, I did grow up with the game, and, and I just want all I'm asking is a little action. That's all. All right, fellas. Let's shift gears now to the Cincinnati Bengals. Your overall impressions, both of you, uh, on what you watched, and I know both of you were dialed in yesterday afternoon beginning at 425 on CBS. Correct. I and? Bengals played pretty darn good. Um, all things considered, I knew it was going to be a tough game. Um, that Going in halftime, I still had a lot of confidence for our guys to figure it out. Um, I will say that the Steelers look like they might be getting a little bit better. It looks like Pickett isn't making as many mistakes. They've got some game plan that revolves around his skill set that we just weren't quite ready for until going into those halftime adjustments. And once we did that, we started to play much better against them, started getting the pressure on him. Um, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow, uh, the, stat, the stat sheet lies, honestly, because he played a lot better than 300-something yards and four touchdowns and two picks. I mean, the one interception – that T.J. Watt had. Freak play. That was insane. Yep. I, you you I, almost I, can't even count that as an interception. Exactly. That was so crazy. It was so crazy. And then uh, to... T.J. Watt, leader of men. <laughs> leader of men, I guess. He is. He's a leader of men. Leader of men. Leader of crooked men. Um, <laughs> so The men of aluminum. The men of aluminum. The thing, though, about that game that kind of confirmed some suspicions and some doubts that I had. T. Higgins actually balled out. I was really worried that he kind of, now that he was in the number one role again, that he wasn't playing to the level that we all thought he could. He proved that he's a number one. Um, congrats to Trenton Irwin for that first touchdown. Indeed. He, he played really well. Um, that kind of depth question at receiver, I feel like we got something figured out there. Our guys are good enough to supplement when Chase is gone. And Chase might even be back next week against yeah. the Titans. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. But, I mean, when Joe Burrow is hot, there's just nothing that can stop the Bengals. Just, and he, get, he gets hot and, I mean, they put up 30 points on us and we still beat them. That should be enough to tell you, you know, our offense is getting red hot right now. It's what we've been wanting. That's what we needed. Um, I thought DJ Reader came back maybe a little too early. Honestly, he didn't seem like he was out there. And we like thought that might self. happen. Yeah. We thought that might happen. I mean, give it up to Reader. He's a gamer. He was out there and, and did the best he could. Uh, the defense a little shaky in the first half. Yep. You're right about Pickett. Uh, there, there. If you're a Steeler fan, there's some things to like about that guy. Yeah, and, and I, he had good protection. Um, I do worry about the Bengals' pass rush. Right, and it didn't really get home until the end of the game. That's right. And I thought that it was because they started playing more. I don't want to say aggressive, but they they were teeing off once they got up to a bigger lead. Yeah. 
So I think that had something to do with it that we just don't we don't tee off on teams unless we have a lead. And then once we get a lead on them, then you really start seeing the pressure get home. Um, we really need to figure something out there. Yeah, they they, they got to figure something out in terms of getting because you saw with Dallas, uh, you know, and now seven sacks is a lot to ask. I get it, but 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 um, they're not going to be Dallas because of the personnel. But they definitely have to find a way to start getting some pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and that starts this week uh, with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, and the Tennessee Titans at home. Paul, your impressions of the Bengalis? I thought that was a really impressive Bengals win. I know they en only ended up winning by a touchdown, but it felt like a lot more than that. I don't know why, but even watching that game in the second half, and even at, at points where it got hairy, I, I never felt worried. I never felt like this game was one that the Bengals were going to lose. I don't know why I had that feeling. I was talking to people during the game that were extremely nervous about what was going to happen, and maybe that was just being naive on my part to what the Bengals have done before and what they did in week one against the Steelers. But I just thought they played so well, so efficiently yesterday. Joe Burrow played one of the best games, if not the best game that he's played in a long, long time. I thought he was phenomenal yesterday. He did throw two interceptions. I, I don't even count the one to TJ Watt because that's an incredible play that you, you barely ever see, if ever. And the other one was a tip ball at the line of scrimmage, that that's just what the Steelers do. So the way that the Bengals won that game yesterday, convincingly, they put up 37 points. It's nice to see the offense going. And I know, and, and, and this is something that I was watching during the game, is I understand that they didn't run the ball all that effectively, but P. Ryan and Mixon also caught some passes early in that as you've mentioned before on the show, Casey, that extension of the run game, that maybe they weren't getting the, the direct plays, you know, getting the ball from Joe Burrow directly, but they were getting those passes where the run scheme, the blocking scheme is still set up in generally the same way. So I just thought both sides of the ball, especially in the second half, Lou Anarumo's a wizard. He did it again. I know they give up that late touchdown, but just the way they shut the Steelers down in the second half, all around a great win and a lot of good momentum going into a Tennessee team that now is going to be, I don't want to say a swing game for the season because you can lose it and your season's still alive, but it would do a lot for the confidence of this team where you, you saw how much it meant to Joe Burrow. He said after the game that it was one of his favorite wins, if not yep. his favorite win that he's had in a Bengals uniform. It's, it felt like it just meant a lot to this team to go to Pittsburgh to win, to cover for, for us. Uh, thanks. Shout out Bengals on that one. Uh, but yeah, it, it just to me, Tom, it felt like a really, really all-around quality win. There's no doubt. Uh, you, you know, I've always said that, you know, even back when, when I was broadcasting regularly, there's no sense in kicking a team that has no chance. I mean, what's the point? You know, I mean, like if you're David Bell, I mean, you've got to keep them motivated. You got to keep them focused. You got to get them playing hard and all that kind of thing. Um, but the, the talent's not there by and large to compete over an entire schedule. Um, the teams, you, 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 the teams you got to push, you got to really push, nitpick, find little things about the team that, that need to get better if you want to get where you get. Those are the teams that, that have the talent, that have the expectations. Those are the teams you've really got to push. 
And this Bengals team is one of those kinds of teams. They've got all the makings of being an outstanding team. So now you have to start nitpicking a little bit. We talked about the pass rush. Are either one of you concerned with what's going on in that secondary? Um, it, because I, I got to tell you, Jesse Bates to me is not a top five safety. He's oh. not playing like one. Not to say he won't. Not to say he won't. He's a veteran guy. He delivered when they needed him uh, through the playoffs of last year and all that kind of thing. Um, th- there's obviously some miscommunication back there on, on the touchdown they threw with him and Eli Apple. Not sure what happened there. Um, you know, Flowers is having to play with a woozy A out. Um, there have been, you have to admit, fellas, there have been some cracks in the defense for the first time here we've seen the last couple of weeks. Yeah, right. I don't disagree with you. I'm, I wouldn't, I would be lying if I said I wasn't like concerned, but the, the way that they were getting their yards, um, it, it, it was on broken plays when they scored. And one of the longer plays of the day was when Logan Wilson and Jesse Bates collide and the ball bounces off of them and they catch it on the one yard line. I mean, at some of the well, that was a freak play, but I'm right, saying there was that... there were there were extended stretches there during the game in the first half, especially where Pickett is ripping off every time he threw the ball, he's completing passes. Right, and I think that was early on, early, yes. early in the yes. game. Yes, I I don't disagree with you on that, but when you look at the the receiving, how how it was distributed, it was a lot of dump offs and a lot to Pat Fryermuth. The, the tight end. Yep. Good um, player, though. Good, good player. player. And I would say the George Pickens touchdown, that's just broken down communication. And he made one other really good play down the sideline. Um, that was a really good throw. Not much you can do there. Um, I just thought, overall, there's no need to be super concerned. There's some concern there. Okay. Um, that's fair. But it's the same issues that we've had in the past That's where we, we give up a lot over the middle to the tight end. We let guys get dump-offs underneath. We, we like to come up to make the tackles. And um, I don't mind that. If your guys right. make tackles, that's okay. They want to dump it out there in the flat. You, you, you guys got to come up, make a hit, tackle somebody, keep them from getting extra yards in a first down. No problem. No right. problem. And I would say the one thing that I had concerned with wasn't really the secondary. It was – their rush it yeah. was their running game um which seemed to kind of by the time the second half happened they had like four three and outs something like yeah that that's in a right row. they really looked so good. they 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 really fixed it towards yeah. the end there um so i'm not concerned about this defense the the functionality of it has not changed they're a second half team they played like it they played well got after kenny pickett and they they, they cleaned up the game they closed out the game for us all right, we're going to take a break. We got Zim Hude coming up. Is he checked in yet? No, he's or, not. He's probably out uh, taking care of his koi uh, yeah. out there. Woodsy man. He's a real man. Real woodsy Not man. some Brandon Seho city slicker. He's <laughs> a real man, Zim Hude. We're back with more in a moment. Those are the words from our main man, Zim Hude. Uh, you know, beating up our boss around here at Chatterbox Sports, Trace Fowler. So, um, I know he's still celebrating. 
right there in the outskirts of D.C., our main man, Zim. Welcome back, my man. Your thoughts of the Bengalis yesterday. Welcome to the winner's circle with me, Tom. <laughs> I told her, my wife hit me. She just saw me. I just saw her. She was like, I, I said, I'm going to be a little loud. She was like, all right, you going on with Tom? I'm like, yeah, we're here. She was like, you told Tom that we were going to win the game, right? I was like, you're damn tootin'. I'm going to tell you, it was a great <laughs> night. It was a great night. Somebody, I just walked to somebody and said, it's the winter time. What you got the bucket hat on? I said, the sun is shining on my ass today. I can't block these damn sun rays. It's going crazy out here, Tom. Are you having the same problem? I am having the same problem, Zim. I was watching with my main man, Lukey, yesterday. We were talking about you. I said, Zim's going to be fired up. Um, you know, now, 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 now look, you, you finally, for the first time, I, I have to tell you, it's the first time you brought some energy in life in a while. You've been a little down in the dumps lately. You're not your normal Zim Who day lately, and now you're back. I'm back, man. I feel good. You know, like it's one thing, you know, I, I, maybe I'm like an Ocho Cinco baby or something like that. You got to be able to back up the play. If you're going to talk that talk, you got to walk that walk. So sometimes, you know, you can't be as boisterous or whatever, or your voice just, you just sound like a complete psychopath. Y'all showing that clip of me like a week ago. I didn't realize how crazy I look, but that was awesome. Um, Trace. I'm so glad the Grim Reaper didn't come in our Twitter spaces. We were all scared. We were like, if he comes, then it's bad it's bad news he didn't come. So we were like, clearly we're going to win. But, man, I'm, I'm really happy for the team. You were able – and I think that was my point last week is that you got to stop paying attention to so much on what everybody else is doing. And if you pay attention to what they're telling you, they're telling you Joe Burrow can't do it without Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow can't do it without Joe Mixon. Who bailed him out last night, Tom? Was it Trent Irwin? Was it P. Ryan? Like, they told me he was a Jamar Chase merchant, but I'm just like, no, he's a really good quarterback. And is he perfect? No. But there's it's a really good team behind him. I thought the game plan was excellent. I I came in saying that there's the only way they can win this game is a balanced attack. And credit my boy, Ace, uh, my man Ace Boogie. He told me, he said, man, I'm looking at that secondary, man. It looks super shaky. But I was like, you don't want to just throw the ball too many times and give T.J. Watt and company um, a chance. But Jonah Williams playing the best game of all year. That was his best game. Th that last drive was magic. Yep. Chef, chef kiss. Like, that's the stuff that champions are made of. What so did when you people, just say? Uh, what? What is that? A chef's kiss. It was oh, it, like it, one of those. Is that what you mean? Four, four, Tom. He was on fire. Like, I mean, it's NBA Jam. It's weird. All of these different things. And it's just, that's how I judge sports. You know, like, what do you do on the line? You know, yep. like, I, I, I agree. look at your career. Yeah. You, you, people are witnessing a legend, Tom Brenneman, right here in front of you today based There's on no what did he do? What did he do when his back was against the wall? What did he do in the biggest moments of his life? And that's how we define legends. And that's how we define the sport of football. You don't go to a box score for Joe Montana. You go to those clutch moments, tail in the back of the end zone, you know, that type of stuff. It's, that's what it's all about for me. Four for four. All right. Let, 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 let me ask you, first of all, because we know that you are personally tight with uh, Joe Mixon. 
Now, my son showed me this thing, which I had never seen before after the game. I guess, I don't know if the Bengals are the only team or every NFL team does it, where they go live on Instagram from the locker room and they're all dancing around, right? Uh, Mixon, uh, he looked like you out on the, actually looked a lot like me out on the dance floor, truth be told. Uh, Does that mean that he's okay? Talked to my boy last night. We're good to go. We're locked and loaded. Talked to my boy Chris Evans uh, as well, too. I think we're locked and loaded. We're, we're, hey, this is what we're all, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. I'm ready to make a push. Joe's good. Joe Mixon is good to go. We're, we're, he's playing Sunday. Book it. There we go. You know, the thing, one of the things I really like about Mixon, and, 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 you know, I always, I always say, and, 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 and I know he probably doesn't like it, but I don't know if anybody likes it. Look, you know, there were so many questions about this guy coming out of college, not as a player, but as a man. He has handled himself, I think, flawlessly uh, in this community, in his locker room. Uh, he strikes me as being a great teammate. You could genuinely see yesterday, and we've seen it at other times in the past, where he gets very excited when guys who play the same position as him do well. And he was really excited for P. Ryan after the game last night. I think that says a lot about Joe Mixon. I'm going to tell you, too, I told you this one time before, and the thing that killed me, um, and and and, and it's, I'm not here to, like, trash any Bengals fans that thought he was done, but I, I, I talked to a couple of guys after that Browns game. Nobody, nobody took that game harder than Joe Mixon, bro. As far as, like, you know, like, wants to win, you know, we could talk about the things that we can't control, like, how much does a guy get paid or all these different things like sheer wanting to win and play the game of football. Nobody works harder that I've ever been like, I've ever been cooler with like, you know, like maybe I guess AJ green, that, that's the, that's the, my homie too. But as that I meet like the Carl Lawson's of the world, Joe Mixon stands out that if, if every, if they got paid a dollar, they will play football. Uh, if he goes on a vacation, he works out on the trip. He doesn't really go on vacations. He has many opportunities to probably go. I said, bro, what you doing on a bye week? I was like, bro, I think you should relax. He's like, no, nah, I gotta, I, I'm going to go back to my hometown and go watch some football and get some workout in. And his dad is like that. A lot of people don't know this about him, whatever, but his dad is on him, like works out like in the, like on a different level. And that's the one thing that I hope as the years go on, they start to tell a story a little bit more because you don't really get to hear uh, from them too much. You might hear from them on the Winston pod this upcoming week. We had a good oh, conversation. Oh, there you go. There you go. You're bragging that you got Joe Mixon and, uh, and and I got a bunch of stiffs. You got all the guys. Like You could get whatever. You, you could get whoever you want, man. I'm telling but you, you right have, now. Are, are you saying you're having you and our our buddy Ace Boogie, you're having Joe Mixon on the podcast this week? For sure, man. We're And look, you, y'all got to understand the Cincinnati pod might doesn't get that much pub. But we did Cheeto uh, three weeks ago. We did Mike Hilton. Name a player. They're all been on the Cincinnati pod. No disrespect to you, Tom, but you know I've been doing this, baby. You know what I'm saying? I ain't new to the game. I'm just true to it. You know what I'm talking about? I so, know what you mean. At, you know, so Joe, you know, he'll come on this week. You know, we got to wait for you. got to pick. You know how this goes. It's timing. It's a lot of different things that got to kind of go in your favor. You know, I'm really, I really, really, uh, I mean, my son, you talk about a little Lukey. 
my son, his favorite player is Joe Mixon. Like, you know, I'll get on the phone or something. He'd be like, hey, what's up, little man? You know, like that type of stuff goes a long way. So now yes, it does. Now I'm like, I'm looking at him like like my son was at his friend's house over the weekend. He comes back at the end of the game. He like, he like, the Bengals are winning. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're gonna win. They're gonna win. He like, did Joe Mixon? I'm like, kind of got hurt in this game a little bit, son. But he's like, oh, well, he'll be all right, right? You know what I'm saying? So it's like these things behind the scenes that people don't really kind of understand sometimes. But I, I really love that guy, man. He he looks out for me anytime I've ever needed things. Same way you are. Anytime I need anything, you know, I feel like I'm not going to ask you for much. But if I need you, you know, I'm going to call up. We'll always be there for you, Zim. You, you you are right here from day one of this program. We, we, we get so excited every week that you're on. You weren't with us last week. I mean, you're a big league operator. You, you've got Cincinnati going on. You've got the Koi to take care of out there. Uh, we talk about you being a woodsy man. How they? Uh, how are they adapting to the cold? What, what are you doing to take care of the koi in this cold weather? They started hibernating this past week. It got cold. It's like 30 around here. So anytime the temperatures drop below 42, you got to kind of watch how you feed the koi a little bit and take care of anything. So I checked my pH levels and my water temperatures. And when I got to the weekend, it started getting really cold. So um, still filtering the water. All that type of stuff. But now that it gets really cold, uh, they start to go down to the bottom. Some of them will come up a little bit, but there's no more feeding. Some koi owners feed their fish all around. I really don't. I just kind of feed them really heavy, hibernate, come back, see them in the spring. We're good to okay. go. Come okay. back bigger and stronger than ever. Amen. Much like the Bengalis. Bigger and stronger, stronger than ever. Bro, the Bengals have won six out of eight under the radar. Can you believe that? Like, doesn't that sound crazy? It, it, Tom, third, the, I, I don't want to harp on the offense too much, but tell me, who is dropping 37 without their wide receiver one and their, their RB1 against that front? Not just, like, I know we hate the Steelers, but I got to get in respect on this level. They will get after your quarterback. They will pass rush, and they, and they can ruin game plans. And I thought, like, yeah, it shows up as two sacks. It was truly one. Because the one was a quarterback draw yep. that just didn't work out. Yeah, he got tackled behind the line of scrimmage. So you know, I thought the offensive line, man, Jonah, I got, Jonah went. I was one thing I'm really big on is being accountable. So many times our fans are like really, really heavy on somebody, and they and they never circle back. I was very you're critical right on Jonah Williams. I was very critical a couple of weeks ago. Three, I said, man, he'll never be able to block an elite uh, pass rusher. Now, is Alex Housemith the best I've ever seen? No, but I think Jonah Williams, uh, maybe that kneecap that he dislocated, maybe he got some good therapy over the bye. He came back and played his best game. So I got to I gotta come back again and tell everybody I'm very excited, very proud of the game that Jonah Williams played uh, this past Sunday in a big game. That was a big must-win game. I give it up to you for that, Jim, because I, I'm with you all the way. You know, I, I was worried that this town was going was gonna to phone in Lyle Collins for the season the way he started. This guy had a bad ankle. He had a bad back. And now all of a sudden you watch him when they're running these replays. Collins is really playing well. The interior, by and large, you know, the, the, the rookie, the kid at left guard, made, made one mistake yesterday, which led to a sack. But that's going to happen. I mean, you're going up against some of the best pass rushers uh, in, in the game. I mean, they have three or four of them right there in Pittsburgh, some more decorated than others, but they got three legitimate studs on that line. And so you're going to give up a sack. But considering they gave up, what, six or seven in the first game against the Steelers, and they only give up two and really one, as you point out, 
you do have to give credit to the offensive line. So before I let you go, in case we can't get you back Wednesday, um, your thoughts on the Tennessee Titans now. I'm a big Tennessee guy. I think they got a good team. My, my, my cohorts here, they're not impressed. Tannehill looked like Joe Montana the other night. What are your thoughts on Tennessee? I told you my friend that, you know, works for them or whatever. And outside of that, I know how they train. I know their preparation. I know that Derrick Henry wants to get back at this game for what happened in the playoffs. Him coming back with half a foot. <laughs> you know, he he's he's out to run that ball. And in the only way, and I'm gonna be honest with the Bengals fans, the only way to stop that man is to put some points on the board and force Tannehill to throw that ball. Because that guy Unlike a lot of teams, they aren't going to stop running. If they start, if he got 25 carries, they're like, give him 10, 15 more. He will, he might walk out of that game. If the game is close, he will wear on you. He will wear on you. They're physical. The emergence of Traylon Burks uh, last week in the play action that they're working off of it because you're allocating so many uh, guys into the box. It is a team that I am not playing around with. You talk about Joe Burrow, nine sacks in that game, 13 quarterback knockdowns, one of the more heroic efforts you'll ever see from the quarterback position. But it's a game that left them black and blue. And it's a game that we got out of there. Even though they said that our skyline chili sucked, I didn't like that. But we're going to come back and we're going <laughs> to shove that chili right in their damn face, Tom. We got to come out there strong, determined, and ready to go. Put... 350-pound men right in front of the in front of the center of the guards. I might even bulk up this week. I might eat real good because we got to get go. hefty. Yeah, get some protein shakes or something like that. Start buffing up. That'd be a good idea. You, you ought to look at the PEDs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I got, I got a lot of energy. I'm the last person that needs like another no, I hear you. I hear you. Zim, you're on it. I mean, you're in it. I mean, you know, I, I mean, the, the, uh, our show blows up when you show up. So we're grateful to have you. Uh, we'll see if we get you back Wednesday or not. We got Urban Meyer on Wednesday for the big Ohio State-Michigan game coming up Wednesday. So we, uh, we wish you an early you're happy always, Thanksgiving, my man. You're going to OSU, right? What's that? You're, you're going to OSU, right? Oh, absolutely. Aren't you? Yeah, well, well, check this out. I wasn't. I'm not a big college football guy. I'm in a, uh, my Bengali friends. Right. Told me about the greatness of OSU. So now they're calling me Big Brutus. So nice. me, Big Brutus. I'm coming out there to the shoe, and I'm gonna stomp a mud hole in them boys. You better tell those guys to get ready on our side, because for this year, I had I was a free agent in college fandom or whatever. And here I am, Big Brutus, coming to the shoe to lay him down and put him in the dirt. Just like I did T.J. Watt last night. I hope T.J. Watt likes eating grass because I fed him like a mule when Lyle Collins was laying on his back. We like pancakes and I put syrup on that boy. I fed that man. Put syrup on him. That's what we're doing. We're pancaking the league this year, baby. Let's go. That's Zim Uday. I mean, is he going to be better than that guy? Look at him. That's a real fan. It's a real man. I love that guy. He texts me all the time on the weekends. Tom, we got to get it going. We got to get fired up. That's my kind of guy. He's got the, the passion. And he's smart. 
Yeah, that's the biggest thing is that sometimes you see these guys, these these super fans that have podcasts, and then all of a sudden they just start yelling, and sometimes they don't know what they're talking about. But Zim is the perfect mix of somebody that knows exactly what he's talking about and can channel the energy and the emotion and the passion into one spot and do it the right way. Uh, he's the man. He's a man. Uh, Cyril Boy Wonder says, I'm voting for Zim in 2024. <laughs> there it is. Just a matter of when he's going to uh, form his pack and um, and start raising well, money. When is he going to be ruler of the jungle? He, you know what? That is a great question. He should be ruler of the jungle. Yeah, him and And, and if there are more people that don't know about Zim, he's got his Wins and Addy podcast. We had his partner in crime. Uh, great dude, too. Uh, much, much more cerebral is Ace Boogie. But he knows his stuff. Winsinati. I was on that podcast a couple weeks ago. It's a big league show. All right, when we come back, since we're having Brian Billick a little bit later on today, we're going to uh, stumble through our picks. Hmm. Um, although Casey was walking around like a peacock today that he made up some ground. Uh, we're going to walk through those picks. And you have an updated stink list. Did I see that pop up on the uh, preview screen over there? I do got an updated stink list. You're going to love this one, Tom. Let's just go right to it. Let's okay. go. All right, let's go to um, – let's hold on to stink list until yeah. after the picks. Okay. So let's go. Let's circulate. Are you ready, Paul, yep. for the picks? Yep. All right, let's, let's go. go. Here we go. Big weekend, college and pro. Uh, is, is oh, this going oh, into wait, the no, weekend? Oh, wait, no. We did the okay. same thing. All right, okay. Nobody – that was a spoiler. All right, no first saw. one up. Okay. Uh, we all take Michigan – and they don't cover. Nope. So I almost went. lost that game. Uh, you know what? I, I mean, I, I kicked myself because I, I thought Illinois had a fighting chance. Not to win, but to cover. I don't pick them. That's the story of my year. The fighting Illinois. You guys go with chance. Baylor. Yeah, cover. We covered. That's a dub. That was a win all around. That was a oh, that's right. It's a win all around. TCU win and a Baylor that's cover. That's right. That's right. boy, Paul. boy, Paul. <laughs> all right. You see Temple. There you go, Tom. That's the first time UC's covered all year, I think. They got huh. a huge game this week. I saw where uh, Tulane put up, what was it, 52 on uh, SMU over the weekend. Yeah. Tulane's got a good team. They That's do. not a layup. Right. That's not a layup. And, and we don't know if Evan Prater's starting or whether Ben Bryant's coming back. All right. Trojans. Trojans. We all win. Trojans cover. We like that. Get a Pac-12 team in the playoffs. How about oh, this? Look at that. How about that? Leader I, of men, I, Mike I, Stoops. I kind Is that of, his name, Mike Stoops? Mark, yeah. Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops. His brother's Mike Stoops, right? Probably. Bob? Is that his dad? Bob and Mike. Not his dad. <laughs> just, Good <laughs> Lord, his dad. He's got a brother, Mike, that was a head coach in college football. And his brother, Bob. And then Mark. They're Northeast Ohio guys. Ohio, man. Youngstown. All right. Kentucky covers. And by the way, I mean, I was asking Trace, who's a big Georgia guy, about this, this Levis guy. I mean, I, I don't know if, if he's everything everybody thinks. I don't know. I don't want to say he's not because I don't know. But, you know, maybe he just doesn't have players around him uh, that, can, that can, you know, handle – Players like Georgia, the talent level, clearly. I mean, I tell anybody anything they don't know. All right, what was the, the Tennessee thing? I just feel so bad for Hooker. Uh, I, I just feel awful for this kid. 
uh, what is he, like 24, 25 years old. He's transferred yeah. a couple. They say he's a great kid. He's had a phenomenal year. He might win the Heisman, uh, but he tears his ACL. Wasn't even a contact play. Stuck his foot in the ground, uh, and now he's finished for the year. I sure hope that some NFL team gives him a shot. Uh, I would imagine they will, although it's a long recovery ahead. Uh, we all whiff there. Yeah. Um, That's just brutal. South man. Carolina would have covered two at 22 and a half. <laughs> Um, Ohio State, uh, they don't cover 27 and a half. They're the only team in the country that's won every game by double digits. That was a little dicey, that game. Can't remember the young man's name. I think his last name is Teague. He is a new beat writer uh, this season for the Athletic covering Ohio State. He's been saying for weeks the game that worried him the most was the Maryland game because of the matchup. Uh, and it was it was a good game. And we, uh, two of his younger brothers, pretty good. And we should have known better than to 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 bet on OSU when they played such a good game against Michigan. And that you know that the we should have known better than this. Who? What? Didn't Maryland play Michigan? Oh, and they they played mm, well uh, against mm-hmm. Michigan. We yes. should have known better than the. You're right. You're right. They could have beaten Michigan in that game. Yeah. All right. It's been Michigan's toughest game this year until last Saturday. All right, now we're on to the pros. Yep. Yep, I'm the only dummy. <laughs> they stink, Tom. They do. I'll never do it again. I'm the only Famous one. Famous last of, words. The, I'm the only one of this group that stuck with my guns with the Browns stink. You picked the Browns. You picked the Browns last week. What are we doing here, fellas? We knew this. We just – I don't know. Uh, they, they stink. They're bad. Uh, they're they're bad. bad. Carolina and Baltimore. Panthers stink, too. All lose. I don't think the Ravens are that good. I I really don't. Uh, I I think they're good. I don't think they're – I think the Bengals have a better team than the Ravens. They didn't even have 100 yards, I don't think, by the end of the half. Yeah. Both teams. Yeah. That's terrible. They stink. I I, I really think the Bengals, if it means something, and we don't know if it will mean something with all the big games both teams have left, especially the Bengals – because they're, in essence, trailing the Ravens right now by two games, not just one, yeah. but by two because they lost uh, to Baltimore on a game they should have won. Boy, now here is the ultimate stink of the weekend. You can have the Vikings, Tom. I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want them. Everybody all weekend talking about that Kirk Cousins 1 o'clock thing. It's, it's true. And I've said all along I'm not a Cousins guy. They're not going anywhere when it matters. Dallas looked good. Dallas looked really good. First time all year long I walk away and say Dallas is a bona fide contender in the NFC. There it is, Casey. How do you pick against Belichick, Paul? We were covering for all but 10 seconds of that game. The Jets stink, guys. I've been trying to tell you they stink. Their quarterback stinks. They don't stink. They got a good defense. Well, that makes them stink if they put them out there. Well, they might be going back to Flacco. I sure hope so. I have a fighting I mean, chance. If you want to get in the playoffs, you might want to give serious consideration. Now, you might lose Wilson forever, but he's not your guy anyway, long term. Exactly. If you lose him, you lose him. So what? Bengali's cover. Winners across the board. Who day? Big time who day. And? That's it. Is that it? Okay, so where are we? Oh, boy. Seven games in the hole. Case, you make up some ground. You're right there, two back. Yep. Got up by one game. If you wanted to know how we did this week, Tom, you went four and eight. I went six and six, and Paul, you went five and seven. Mm. Not my best. 
We have some uh, questions, you know, talking about Dallas. Um, uh, you know, Reed wants to know, is Dallas the best team in the NFC? I tell you, you know, you can only go – and look, this stuff, I mean, come on. Let's be honest about it now. There are, you know, reactions and overreactions. It was only seven days ago where Dallas had a 14-point lead against Green Bay, who's terrible, and uh, lost the game. So I, I'm, I'm not ready to hand out – um, conference championships to the Dallas Cowboys yet. They looked great yesterday. There is no doubt about that. And Dak looked good yesterday. But that Pollard, boy, that one-two punch of him and Ezekiel Elliott who was back this week, um, pretty good. Um, but there's no, there's no one team that you look at and say they're, they're not beatable. Right. Everybody this year is beatable. Agreed. Everybody. All right. Updated stink list, is that right? That's right. Boy, there's some massive changes to this. Oh, you, yeah, here we you've go. Added a, you've, added a, you've added a bottom column there. The so this is in, for those of you just seeing this for the first time, on the tier maker, Casey basically ranks them starting left to right and then moving down to each column. So you're saying title towns, now called, Kansas City, Philly, Buffalo. Correct? Correct. Okay, and then that next group, you've, you've elevated the Bengalis to be there with uh, – I'm already getting ahead of myself now. <laughs> I mean, I'm really getting ahead of myself now. I mean, that's a good group, but I cannot believe the first team under the borderline <laughs> stink category – is the Tennessee Titans. You have got to be kidding me. They are They're 7 and 3. Tom. Green Bay or wait a minute, Dallas who you have in that upper column went to Green Bay and lost. The yeah. Titans come rolling in 4 days later and absolutely plaster the Green Bay Packers. Tell me who the Titans have beat, please. Tell me. Tell, who have they beat? They've Tom? only lost two games very early in the year, and they've had more injuries than any team in the NFL. By far. Their team. And, and most of these other teams that have had injuries, they're a sinking ship. But not leader of men, Mike Vrabel. They stink, Tom. I'm telling you, when they face a team that can stop the run and still play the pass, just like we did in the playoffs – they just look terrible. Ryan Tannehill's Hold on not a second. that guy. Hold on a second. All you have to do is look at their last game. Henry carried the ball 25 times for 89 yards. I know, but they – Barely three over three yards a carry. Barely. They the Packers out. stopped the run. They sold out to stop the run. They put nine in the box. And then what happened? What well, were those we numbers? 22 of 27, 333 yards, if my memory serves me correctly. That's right. Ryan Tannehill. Against a 4-7 and seven now Packer team? The same team that beat the Cowboys. Come on. Did they beat them or not? Am I imagining that? No, you didn't imagine that. And you have them in the category above. Paul, any your reaction to this, this list? Uh, uh, the new other new category down there at the bottom is, you know, it's just called the, the, the Browns. <laughs> the Browns. <laughs> Joined by the Panthers. 
those are teams that are just miserable that won't figure it out this year at all. Don says Green Bay should be down there. At the Browns level? That's what he says. The, the Packers should at least be in stink, if not they, in the Browns. They're one game – I, I'm I'm just holding on to faith, guys. I, I can't I don't I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's unexplainable. I just feel like they will win a few more games before they drop down to stink. All right. I cannot believe Sir Boy Wonder says that Ryan Tannehill is not good. Sir Boy Wonder, I, I respect your opinion. I'm not saying he's great. How do you say he's not good? They go to the playoffs every year. Every year. They're the only team in the NFL, which we talked about last week, for each of the last three years, they're the only team in the National Football League to go 7-3 and three to start a season. And the last time I checked, even though they spit it up against the Bengals, and he spit it up against the Bengals, they were the number one seed in the AFC last year. And they're one game removed from being the number one seed this year. I agree. I'm. They are... And you have them as borderline stink? Yeah, I do. Paul, because, any other issues you look, have with this list? No, I don't really have too many issues. I could go on about some things, but we've mostly covered everything that I've thought of with this list. I just think that uh, the, the, the Titans got to be better than they are, Casey. They're the 10th best team on that list. Casey. Look at it. it they, they are literally the 10th best team Yeah, but on you that can list. at least move them up for the optics to the good court category. No, that's no, right. Not when I know. You can call them the 10th best team and put them behind the Vikings and put them in the borderline. No. Yeah, how do you have the Vikings ahead of the Titans? And how do you – You talk about I'm a team gonna... that – I mean, they got the one game against Buffalo, and again, I know we're talking reactions and overreactions here. But, I mean, how in the world can you put – the Minnesota Vikings, after that performance yesterday, mm-hmm. how can you put them ahead of the Tennessee Titans? I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to overreact on this one. I know they got blown out 40-3, to but that was on prime time. So you that have was... the Tennessee Titans on the same line as the Green Bay Packers, the same line as the Packers, and the Patriots. Yes. You have them on the same line as Tampa Bay, who's a 500 team. Yes. Oh, my Lord. Look, it, How look, do you have Green Bay ranked ahead of the Giants and the Jets? The Giants and the Jets are frauds. They stink. The Giants are a fraud. So are the Jets. I'm not going to say the Jets yet because they play really good defense. But the Giants gave up. What did they I, give up? 31 yesterday to who? Who did they get beat? Oh, to, to, the the, Lions. to the Red Hot Lions. The, the fighting Chris Spielmans. But I, until they make a quarterback change, I'm not moving the Jets away from Stink. Because management, if they continue to start Wilson when they have a playoff season in, in grasp, in reach, that means they really stink. Like, come on. Are we it's sure the Bills are title towns? I mean, I yeah. Debated, I mean, I would, but I, 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 I'm fine with it. I but. debated putting Miami up there and putting Dallas back up there again. I think I was a bit too reactionary, putting them down and borderline good. Okay. I think All those right. two teams deserve to maybe move up. Look, we out still of, we still of, got work to do, Casey. But here, it's progressively getting better, slowly here, but surely. Here. It's a turtle. By if, the end of the by the end of this season, the tortoise will win the race. If I had maybe. to critique my own work. Miami and Dallas could possibly move up. I think 
Vikings could switch places with the Titans, but I I think if they went head to head right now, I think the Vikings would win at one PM. Um I think the Titans They better then they better make sure that they schedule the playoffs to make sure Minnesota plays at one PM. <laughs> Because well, if they play, this, Lord knows, anywhere else, they're going to get their tails kicked. That's just not how this works in, in, my, in my tier list here. I think the Titans can't beat anyone above the, that line up there. I think Bengals outpace them. I think Miami outpaces them. I think Dallas has a good enough defense to stop Derrick Henry and that rush, and they got a good enough offense to outpace them. San Francisco could probably lose the Titans. I don't think they've got a good enough team to beat them, but that doesn't mean that they don't beat the rest of the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay. like if if you guys, the, the one thing is the Titans. I can agree with you that they might be on the borderline good line. Okay, but we'll know a lot more when they play against the Bengals. Yeah, which, I, by the way, uh, Vegas has come out with an early line in that game. The Bengals are a one-point favorite at the open. One. One, hmm. so it's basically a pick'em. Yeah, so that it's technically actually when you think about it, the the home team gets three points. That's right. right. So they actually like the Titans in this. So what are your thoughts, Paul? Are there, is there any way to see early action on that on that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can look it up right now. Yeah i I was looking at um I was looking at some of these opening lines just now. Let me filter it till what is next week? Week twelve already. I think, yes. Fellas, we're getting old. You know, we got Thanksgiving Day games this coming week. We're getting old. We've got Buffalo at Detroit. Lions are playing good football. Yeah. They're playing really good football right now. I mean, they're showing a toughness about that team we've not seen in years. You got the Giants and the Cowboys. That will be a massacre. (laughs) And then a really good game. Unfortunately, it doesn't start at 1 o'clock on Thanksgiving. You've got the Patriots at Minnesota. Bengal fans better get on that Vikings train and root hard for a chain, a course change there for Cousins and the Vikes outside of 1 o'clock because New England right now is ahead of the Bengals. Bengals have the final spot, but New England sits at 6 in front of them. They only take 7. New England sits in front of them. They want a tiebreak over the Bengals right now because of a better record inside the conference. And, of course, they play head-to-head um, in a few weeks yeah. from now. To me, the the next two th- – this game is really big, the Titans game, and then the next one has to be the Patriots game. That's the next biggest game in our schedule that they're matters all a lot. They're yeah, all they're, they're all big, but I'm saying, like, we're probably going to get a wild-card spot. That Patriots game is going to determine if we actually make it in or not. Yeah, could be right. Paul, any, any, any indications of the early money or just not yet? They haven't pulled any data yet. Okay, nope. all right. All right, we're going to take a break. Brian Billick will be joining us any minute now to uh, talk about what's going on in the National Football League. Is he here yet right yeah, now? He's here. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get to Brian Billick then. Kind enough to join us, um, as he does each and every week. Um, Brian, you got the, you got, you know, I got to tell you, I'm really surprised. Uh, it's hard to tell what color that hoodie is. But you making your home there in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, That is not a good color to be sporting on Monday of the week of the game. (laughs) Or as you used to tell me, the game was Cal and Stanford. Didn't you tell me that at one time? It's not not the big game, but it's a pretty (laughs) important game. 
this is uh this is no this is ohio state red this is black this is not blue this is not okay. maize blue this is okay. black okay Okay, because you know, uh, you haven't been in Columbus very long, but they would run your ass out of there in a heartbeat if they yeah, thought you were walking around in blue. They're already beginning to park. I was out about today. This is <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to be up there Saturday. I can't wait. Oh. I'm, bringing the, I'm bringing the kids up. We bought How tickets for the that? game. We're going to be standing with the masses down there uh, for right. the entire game. So we're fired up. This is going to be good. It's going to be big. I, in fact, I was out about this morning and did my workout. And all anybody want to talk about is, can we do this? And, you know, boy, they're awful physical. And everybody's, they're, they're a little concerned around here. Well, I mean, these are two really good football teams. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Um, Brian, this whole thing, and we were talking about, I mean, I, I don't know. You tell me. Can it start to become a, a mental um, uh whatever word you want to use, a hang-up um, for this whole Kirk Cousins thing at 1 o'clock. Because, look, I know Dallas really played well, but there's so much data that backs up um, the way Cousins plays at 1 o'clock Eastern compared to all the other times that he plays. And not all that was on his fault. He got, set, got sacked seven times. But yeah. can something like that get inside the mind of an elite high-level player like a Kirk Cousins? I, I, I doubt it. I mean, if, it, it, it's, if it's not so much him, it's when did his lineman get up? Maybe they have trouble at, with yeah. 1 o'clock because right. he was an absolute siege. You know, and, and obviously Dallas had it all going. They had the running game going, ran it 40 times. Uh, uh, Dak Prescott was just hot and didn't make any big mistakes. Uh, Kirk Cousins didn't have a chance. I mean, that opening drive, you kind of thought, okay, this this is going to be good. But at home, yeah, this this was a concern. And the fact that Dallas ran the ball as well as they did, you know, we've been talking about for a while, but he's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop for Minnesota. Are they really that good? The win they had on the road, okay, they are that good. And I think they are. I think Dallas was that good in this instance. And Minnesota, I, yeah, the 1 o'clock thing, I don't know that Kirk Cousins is going to be worried about that. That's a, some digit domo came up with those numbers. And, uh, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I very much doubt that he's thinking about it. But that offensive line's got to get better because they, you know, they that was just – they were beating him back to his drop and it got to the point where that's all he could think about. Um, the comments made, I don't know if you saw them or heard them, by Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver, rookie wide receiver of the New York Jets. Uh, after their game yesterday where they managed a total of three points. Zach Wilson really struggled, uh, to say the least, 9 of 22. They barely get 100 yards of offense in the game, and Wilson comes out and basically says, he said, look, I'm part of the problem too. He says, but we're letting, we're letting so many cracks uh, and not addressing cracks and attention to detail or players being called out for things that are going on in practice. If you're Robert Sala, and Sala, you know, I mean, he had, he had colorful language describing their offense after the game yesterday. What do you think about it if you're Sala, where a rookie's stepping up right inside a very tough New York press and saying, this ain't getting it done? Yeah, I think, you know, rookies ought to be seen and not heard, kind of like children. Uh, <laughs> for a rookie to make, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, son, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish here? Yeah, you, you call them in, going what 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 is it, what is it you what is it you think you're doing in doing this? Like I said, it's the classic, 
you know, player mentality of I confess he did it. Um, up to this point, they've been playing. What's the comment we've been paying, making about the Jets? They're playing well enough. They don't beat themselves. Kind of said the same thing about Minnesota. You know, they just their team right now, particularly under Robert Sala, they're, they're a team that's not beating themselves. Now, how good are they? And and can Wilson really, you know, step it up? And once they get into the playoffs, but uh, yeah, for uh, for me, that's not for a rookie to stand up and, and make those kind of comments, particularly in New York, is uh, yeah, I'd, I'd 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 sit down and have a long talk with the young man. Um, when you look at uh, the Bengals game yesterday, uh, the, the, I, I thought it was their most complete game of the year against a decent team. The Steelers aren't great, and Kenny Pickett's a rookie quarterback, but they do have a good defensive team. Um, and, you know, they had to play through some injuries, and they put 37 on the board against the Steelers. Um, I don't know how much you saw of the Bengals game yesterday. Yeah. What were your impressions of them if you did indeed see it? Yeah, very, very, and again, you know me. I always put a great deal of emphasis on the ability to win on the road, particularly in in an atmosphere like you know Cincinnati and the history with Pittsburgh and going on the road to Pittsburgh and and to put up 400 yards of offense uh, and to play. And again, they were very, very balanced. I like the way you know the approach, and and they lost Joe Mixon, you know, which which was tells you something. Uh, uh, that they were able to, you know, they stayed with it is what the point I'm making. Even though they didn't run the ball particularly well, they didn't just abandon it altogether. Uh, they were great in the red zone. Not as good on third down. You know, obviously they need to, to address that. But they were three for three in the red zone. So they got down there, that, and that was basically the difference in the game. They were able to score touchdowns when they got into the red zone. So this was uh, a good, really good, in my opinion, really good solid road win for the Bengals. All right, this takes us now to a debate that, that, that we're having inside this program with our uh, co-producers, uh, Casey and Paul, about the Tennessee Titans. I thought they played as close to a perfect football game as I have seen a team play. Perfect meaning the way they want to play and the way they like to play. And that is, you know, they're going to pound you, pound you, pound you, even if they're only getting three yards of carry with Henry. Uh, normally he carries it, you know, 25 times. You're thinking he's got a buck 50 at 89 yards. Tannehill was unbelievable. Uh, I, I, I think that that, I think they're a very intriguing team with all the injuries they've had this year, they being Tennessee. What are your thoughts on Tannehill? Well, you know, it's, it, he's, a, he's a great story because, you know, it, we've long talked about when he was in Miami and, okay, this is another first-round bust. And then, but now come to find out it had more to do with what was going on in Miami and, and has played, you know, when he first got to Tennessee, played very, very well. Dropped off a little bit, obviously had been injured, but you're right, on a, on a game, he, this was vintage Ryan Tannehill, if they're indeed going to be that good, because this guy, I mean, he's 22 of 27 on a day where Derrick Henry, you know, wasn't as dynamic. But here again, they stayed with the rush, they ran it over 30 times. But um, he was incredibly efficient. And, and so that bodes well for a Tennessee team that says, okay, yeah, this, and they're going to remain to want to be physical and run it down your throat, and that's always going to be the game plan. But to come up and, 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 and in Green Bay, you know, it was 7-13 on third down. Uh, and, and so, okay, and on the days we can't get it going, okay, Ryan Tannehill can step up and deliver force. And so I thought, you know, I thought it was an outstanding game for them. And they showed that they indeed they could go to that if they have to. 
Um, last thing I want to ask you about is Green Bay. And we, we found ourselves on this program, you know, the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows of that Green Bay team uh, and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Rodgers, uh, for the first time, I don't know, Brian, if you agree with this, uh, and, and by no means am I saying that Aaron Rodgers still doesn't have a lot of good football left on him because I believe he does. But are you sensing that maybe this this run now in Green Bay is starting to come to an end for him? Could be because at the end of the day, uh, they're just not that good, you know, as a team. And obviously it's always going to focus on Aaron Rodgers and he's always been able to pull them up and the receivers and the constant, you know, rotation of receivers they had, even though he's got a really good solid, you know, Randall Cobb's playing well. This young kid, Christian Watson, you know, looks to be pretty good. So, you know, again, he's he's been able to kind of recraft that, but they're just, they're just not a good football team right now. And And you can tell with him and his demeanor and he's so relaxed about it, uh, and we've been talking about, you know, they took the, the kid love uh, in the first round, and that means that clock is ticking, and they've kind of worked past it. But all things are adding up right now that I'm not sure Green Bay is not going as well. Okay, may, maybe we do move on. That's a tough call to make now boy to, to say we're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers. But they're just not a very good team right now. And if they've got to kind of reshuffle and kind of rebuild, uh, I don't know that he wants to be there. And they may indeed need to find out. Okay, we we made uh, love a first round draft choice. Let's let's go with this kid. So that that certainly is going to be an off season conversation. All right, Brian. We thank you as always for your time and your insight, my friend. Have a great rest of the day and enjoy Columbus the week we'll leading up to the big one on Saturday. All right, man. All right, buddy. Be well, Brian Billick. Kind enough to to you know, get right in there and tell us what's going on and the way he sees it. He likes those Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill. I'm just not a fan. Brian Billick, leader of men. Won a Super Bowl. Won a Super Bowl. That guy took his team to the playoffs six out of nine years, and he got fired with three years left and $21 million sitting on the table. It's a pretty good gig if you can get it. That is. All right, we're back to talk more about some news and notes around the NFL for the last half hour. And... I want to really hear about the United States World Cup team from you guys to give me a preview and some of our loyal followers a preview of what to look for from the United States of America. I don't want to hear about Iran, okay? Because they're over there doing their plutonium thing and all that sort of thing. All right, I don't want to hear about Iran, all right? I don't want to hear about, you know, some of these other bandit countries. I want to hear about the United States of America. Okay. All right. Back in a moment. Uh, programming note today, we have boxed lunch, correct? Yep. Coming up right after. Paul, you have your show, Not Too Picky, later today. I do. What time does that begin? That'll be as soon as uh, boxed lunch is so done. We're going so back probably, to back to back. Probably about one. And then I got my college basketball show. I got some merch. I had us just... Isn't that that is That's some major drip? Isn't that a big looking logo? Take a look at that. That's some major drip. Right, nice, look, nice looking logo there. Yeah, hold it back up. It's it's, it's one of a kind right now, thanks to our guys over there at Lids. Yeah, it's a nice that logo. Is really sweet. Thanks to Trace for the logo. Yeah, so that's that's the programming for the day. 
And people can find that on a podcast form, correct? Yes, it is on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's not a live show. I record it around midnight, 1 a.m. every night, and then uh, put it out in a 10 to 15-minute podcast. Gotcha. Yep. And so you're going to be uh, updating that, I, I would assume, this, this busy week this yeah, week. Yeah, today I gave a preview for UC for Maui. Uh, the UC, NKU, and Wright State all open their tournaments today. Then Dayton plays on Wednesday in the Battle for Atlantis. Xavier plays Thursday in the PK-85. So I spent today talking a lot about Maui. Talked a lot about Kentucky, too. They looked bad last night. Boy, oh, boy. Kentucky's got issues. You Kent know what, though? Kentucky yeah, is. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the, uh, Cal will have it rolling when it matters. But will he, though? He will. He will. He's too good of a coach. He will have it rolling when it matters. Is the West Virginia game, that's here, though. That's not in that tournament, right? That's no, in that, another two weeks from now. That's not this coming Saturday. It's the following Saturday. And then, uh, and then the game after that, if I'm not mistaken, is the Crosstown shootout. Yep. No, that will be off. at UC this year, yep. right? Exactly right, Tom. Okay. Yep. Well, Gonzaga did not look very good against te Texas. No, and that's part of the issue with Kentucky is that Gonzaga looks like a very, as as it relates to Gonzaga teams, a mediocre Gonzaga, t Gonzaga team, and that's saying something for Gonzaga, that the brand that they've built, that I'm saying that with the talent that they have and, and Mark Few, the coach that they have, this isn't the Gonzaga team that was right on the doorstep of winning a national championship two years ago against Baylor. This is a team that has some things they need to figure out on its own, and they completely overwhelmed Kentucky last night. I watched almost that whole game. Kentucky looked bad. They were out of rotation a lot. It felt like they never had the right guys on the floor, and when they did, the guys that they were hoping that – could shoot the ball this year. Antonio Reeves, C.J. Frederick, neither one of them shot the ball very well last night. They combined to go three for 13. Um, Cal's got a lot to figure out, and the U.K. fan base is not happy. You, you know lose what? to St. Peter's in the first round last year. They haven't had a lot of tournament success. Kentucky's only won one championship with Cal. They bring in this recruiting class every year, but uh, you know they have the talent. They just got to figure it out. I would think they're going to get it figured out. How's Hugs team looking, by the way? Yeah, I was. It's funny you say that, Tom. I was just taking a look at West Virginia because I haven't done a lot of of looking into them yet. West Virginia's—they're ranked 39th right now. They started the year 4-0, um, but they haven't played a, a high major team yet. They will be out in Portland. They're actually playing in the same tournament that Xavier's playing in. So, depending on how both teams shake out, there is a chance that Xavier and West Virginia play each other twice in six days. Uh, now that would mean a lot has gone wrong for both teams if or potentially right they'd either they're on different sides of the bracket so they either meet in the last place game or in the uh, championship game potentially um, but uh, th this will be West Virginia's first real test this week it's not a whole lot to read into West Virginia yet we will so have far. Huggy Bear coming up on the program here in the next couple of weeks he's already agreed to do it and so uh, hopefully that week of the, um, uh, the West Virginia comes into town uh, we will get Bob Huggins as part of our big interview. We mentioned that this Wednesday, uh, barring any complications, um, and you never know, uh, but the plan is to have Urban Meyer join us on Wednesday, this being the week of Ohio State-Michigan. Urban Meyer never lost to Michigan, uh, not one time during his entire tenure at Ohio State. In fact, the Buckeyes had not lost to Michigan going all the way back to 2011 until last year when they were dominated uh, by Michigan. But it's interesting for this game, and we'll talk a lot more about it, obviously, with Urban on Wednesday. You know, you look at what happened over the weekend, and for Ohio State, 
um, whether you like them or don't. I mean, you, you, you have to really give so much uh, credit to what they've done. I mean, just, just consider this for a second and try to put this into context with any other team in any other sport. But let's just keep it on football. So whether we're talking about college or the pros, when this season began, Travion Henderson, who had the greatest freshman year in the history of Ohio State football as a running back, was a first-team All-American. Everybody felt he was the best running back in college football coming into this his sophomore year. He's not even played half the games. The number one ranked receiver in college football coming into this year was Jackson Smith and Jigba. He has not played three quarters, not of the number of games, three quarters total the entire year. And yet, they've won every game by double figures. They're in the top two or three in every category there is on offense. They've lost Mayan Williams here lately. So Henderson tries to come back and play the other day. Next thing you know, he's back in a boot on the sideline. Week before, Mayan Williams, who's having a monster year. Cincinnati kid, Whitten Woods kid, having a great year. He's going to be a pro. There's no doubt about it. But all of a sudden, he's in a walking boot. Last week, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. So they're down to their third string tailback. Now, whether Williams, Henderson come back this coming week, they know they have Dallin Hayden, and he had a monster game on Saturday. Now, for Michigan, their two best running backs, and let's face it, their quarterback's just okay. He can get hot, McCarthy, but I don't think anybody is scared to death of J.J. McCarthy as a passer. He can run it. Uh, he can make some good plays, like I said, if he gets hot throwing. But they are a run-first, physical, dominant football team. Their offensive line is better this year than it was last year. And they mauled Ohio State last year at the line of scrimmage. That's where the game, like most games, is going to be won and lost this year. But their top two running backs, there are questions as to whether or not they can go this weekend, especially Corum, who would be, in, in most years, a Heisman Trophy candidate. Maybe he gets invited to New York. He's not going to win it. Uh, but... Um, you know, fellas, when, you, when you're looking at that game this coming weekend in Columbus, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of drama and intrigue and so on and so forth because it's such a huge game and what it means to the playoff. Let me ask you this. Okay? Let me ask you this. One loss, Michigan and Ohio State, or Ohio State, or a one-loss Southern Cal for your final playoff spot. If it comes down to that. Southern Cal. Because yeah. they'd be the conference champion. I agree with that, too. Because they And they will also have beaten Notre Dame, who looks much better. They beat UCLA. And for the stock that the committee is putting in the Pac-12 this year, I think that a one-loss USC team undoubtedly gets in over a one-loss. Yeah. you got to punish a, a Michigan team. And you can even argue Ohio State team that didn't have a very competitive schedule i mean i could see let me let me take a, a step back actually i can see ohio state with a one loss because of the notre dame game early on in the season if and penn state who's now ranked number nine but i can't see a michigan team yeah i i can't see that one loss michigan team sneaking in yep they uh, got they have to be held accountable for their schedule if usc makes it in 
Um, I don't. I, I I can't see Michigan with one loss. I just can't. I yeah. I, I think I think the way this is setting up that if you assume that USC wins this weekend, wins the Pac-12 championship, that they are in, and then TCU is in, and Georgia is in, and that would leave the winner of this game. Unless, of course, the chaos that could ensue if and only if the LSU Bengal oh, Tigers somehow, some way, and after I got to tell you, after watching Georgia the other day, you know, I, I don't know why everybody all along has felt like Georgia is some unbeatable team. They're not an unbeatable team. I mean, they haven't lost a game this year. Neither is Ohio State, neither is Michigan, neither is TCU. They're the only four left. But, you know, Kentucky gave them all they can handle. 16 points against a good team ain't going to get it done. And nobody can make me believe that Ohio State and Michigan don't have better defenses than Kentucky. Because they do. So then a two-loss LSU or a conference champion, one-loss USC. I mean, all chaos will ensue uh, if somehow, some way, Brian, the, the fight in Brian Kelly's, as we like to call them. Do you keep I mean, that, all Brandon Seho does and all the UC people, all they do is kill Brian Kelly. It's all you, they do. Do you keep out the SEC champion? There's no way. Do you keep out? There is no way on God's earth you can keep the Southeastern Conference champion. Although I have to tell you, Okay, and it's fair to badmouth the Big Ten this year. There, there's no question it's fair because it looks like a team like Iowa might win the West. And they've really come on strong since they got obliterated by Ohio State. They've won, I think, four in a row, and they're really playing good football. Level of competition, not great. But I got to tell you, we've said all along on this program, there are just as many frauds in the Southeastern Conference as there is – in any other conference in the country. Everybody around here is running around, Old Miss, Old Miss. I mean, that team stinks. They stink. They stink. They got, who killed them this weekend? I mean, it wasn't even a game. Arkansas. Arkansas. How many have they lost? Five? A lot. Yeah, they Too lost many. Five. A lot. I mean, Old Miss, give me a break. So, you know, you look at that western side of the bracket, which traditionally in the SEC has always been the better side, at least in recent years, okay? Alabama's lost twice. Could easily be undefeated, but could also have three or four losses. Talked about Texas A&M in that game. Talked about uh, the, the season opener against Texas when Quinn Ewers goes down. Alabama could easily be undefeated, could easily have four losses. There are no great shakes. LSU got beat by Tennessee at home, granted, early in the year, 40-13. to 13. Now, LSU has not lost since that game. And they're playing really, really well, and their quarterback's playing well, and that's not a surprise when Brian Kelly's the head coach. The quarterback play is going to get better. Um, but Ole Miss on that side, Mississippi State, I mean, come on. And on the eastern side, you know, Georgia beats Kentucky, who I still maintain that, you know, Kentucky's the third best team on that side of the bracket, right? They're the best. I mean, they're better than Florida. They beat Florida. Yeah. Right? They're better than Florida. But, but none of those teams are any good. They're really not. 
I mean, can you say for sure that that uh, that Maryland is not better than Ole Miss? That's a fair point. It's a fair point. It's a point I'm making. So before a lot of people jump on the bandwagon and start killing the Big Ten, and I'm not going to bat for the Big Ten, but I'm just saying, I mean, you got to take a step back sometimes and say, what are we really looking at here? I think we're getting to a point now where, you know, you've got the – what about a one-loss Clemson team if they win the ACC nah. championship? Nah. Wow. They're third in the pecking order. LSU, USC, Clemson. Got to be. Man. But LSU's not beating Georgia, so – did you I'm look at sure about on, that? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna. You're sure about that? I'm not gonna die on this hill. But have you seen Georgia's schedule? Oh, but everybody plays a bad. I, it's college know, football. Nobody know, plays I, a good and, schedule. You know what? And we talked about this, Casey. In fairness, because that whole thing rotates when you have conferences like the SEC and the Big Ten, where you have two divisions. Uh, you don't play everybody. Obviously, you can't. So it rotates which teams you play on any given year. And it just so happened that this year, it's not Georgia's fault, but uh, it just so happened that this year they did not have to play any of the heavyweights from the other side. Right. And I'm not, I'm not going to die on this hill at all. I'm just saying everyone's saying LSU is going to lose. I don't think it's as black and white as we're all uh. making it out to be. Because LSU is – I think they've proven enough – to that they can be competitive in this game. I mean, they could be competitive, but Georgia is Georgia. And when push comes to shove and Georgia needs to win a football game and Kirby Smart needs to win a football game and they need to win the SEC championship, I think they get it done. I No, yeah. I, I agree with you, but I don't think it should be – I think that Brian Kelly can at least cook something up to make it at least a Yeah, I don't think it'll be a game. blowout. I think it'll be a good game. All right, but, but, but what if – let's just play the what-if game for a minute. Let's do okay? it. What if LSU soundly beat Georgia? Soundly? Soundly? I'm saying 10-point game. They okay? beat oh. – Let's just say it happens. Say they win the game 23-13, to 13, something like that. Okay. okay. Just, just pick a number. We're just having okay. some fun here All for right. a second, okay? Let's assume that LSU – Beats Georgia by 10 in the Southeastern Conference Championship. It's Georgia's first loss of the year. But now we start going back to schedule, which you just pointed out, Casey. Mm -hmm. Okay. Really, the only good team that Georgia has beaten all year long, and I would say they're really not that great, is Oregon. Tennessee. First game of the year. Tennessee. Okay. Good. But in fairness, and look, I beat down the Pac-12 all the time. Okay, but let's just play this game for a minute. Let's say LSU were to beat Georgia. You have to take the Southeastern Conference champion. You have to. LSU's in. Let's say TCU goes undefeated. They're in. Let's say Ohio State goes undefeated. They're in. It comes down to Georgia and USC. They USC, a a Pac-12 champion with far more wins this year, whether you buy into the Pac-12 or not, the committee clearly does. They would put a in team Georgia. in USC that closes the year with wins theoretically, okay, over UCLA, Notre Dame, Oregon. 
They're in. You think they get in ahead of Georgia? Yes. The way this is setting up this year, the committee's clearly putting a ton of stock into the Pac-12. And I don't – it would be ridiculous for the committee to put this much stock into the Pac-12 this year and to keep USC out when their only loss – I don't want to say is a, a fluke loss, but it's a one-point loss on a two-point conversion at Utah. That's their only loss. And in your scenario here, where Georgia looks lackluster in their most important game of the season at the very end, if there's any recency bias at all, then yeah, it would be USC. But I don't think any, I don't think any of this is going to happen. But if we're putting if we're putting the hat on and we're going to play this game, I don't know game, why you're saying that that is beyond the realm of possibility. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. I mean, all I, we're saying is is one game for sixty minutes, one game, LSU, which has proven that they can be pretty good for sixty minutes in a football game. All we're saying here is what if LSU with two losses beats undefeated Georgia, would they keep a second SEC team out of the Final Four and take USC ahead of Georgia? I really have a hard time believing that. I'm with would. you, Casey. I, I think they I, would. I think Georgia is in it regardless if they lose to LSU or not. Um, they'd be number four. LSU would be three. That way they don't have that rematch again until the championship if they made it to that point. You'd have OSU at one. And TCU and at two. TCU at two. That's right. And you would oh, – that would stink, though. Honestly. I mean, I mean, it would be great for TCU and for LSU. <laughs> That's a great matchup. But you'd get rid of your, your – what everyone thought it was going to be the championship game – OSU, Georgia, like that. Well, I mean, it's possible you could still have, if LSU beat Georgia, because they have two losses, if you keep Georgia in, it's possible you could still have LSU at four. Ugh. You could have Georgia at and three, have, have TCU a... at two, Ohio State at one. Possible. Ugh. All right, do we have a um, cherry on top today? We do. And uh, anybody want to help us here? Yeah, so this is a bachelor party down in Atlanta. The Bears were playing the Falcons yesterday, and there was Look a that. illustrious group of fine gentlemen who dressed up in honor of Mike Ditka. The fighting Ditkas. And then they, they got on the broadcast, too, later. Yes, Fox they did. picked them up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a huge bachelor party. I'll tell you, a couple of, those, uh, couple of those NFC North teams are fun to watch, even if they're not winning a lot. Now, the Lions are playing really, really well right now. We mentioned they're starting to win some games. They just bludgeoned the Giants yesterday. The Bears are fun to watch. They are. Because they're in every game. I agree. Um, and Fields has is, is really been fun to watch, and he certainly has electrified that town. Um, I'm going to give out my gamer of the week. Oh, here we go. Did you did you see what this this kid um, this you know in a day and age where and I hate using the word China dolls, but I I use it a lot. I got to find this kid's name again because I read the story about it the other day. Is it Latham Ranson, the the, the cornerback at Ohio State? Did you see what this kid did the other day? He's playing in a game in the first quarter. 
He breaks his thumb in half. What? Breaks his thumb. Wow. Oh, I see this. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you think that guy's coming out of the game? As my old friend Chris Spielman used to say about football players get hurt, arms out, needles in. (laughs) Whatever they did, this guy does not come out of the game. The third play of the second half, he turns the entire game around by blocking a punt for the second week in a row. How do you think that felt hitting off your broken thumb? A punt. That's a game gamer of the week. And now it's time for box lunch. Mr. Georgia football himself, Trace Fowler. Seriously, we were just talking about this. You probably overheard his conversation. He was laughing at you. Oh, uh, he was snickering at he you. He was snickering. He, he, you said. So he's you said, uppity looking down his nose at everybody else. Because Georgia, true. for the first time in 50,000 years, wins a national championship. And they think they look down their nose at everybody now. Is that right? I, I, you said Georgia, they're, they're not unbeatable. And, and Trace literally went, <laughs> he snickered at you. I said, what are you laughing about? What has Georgia shown you to think that they are invincible against other teams? Lathan Ransom's his name. Forgive me. Go ahead. So, uh, oh, no, I'm not no. saying they're unbeatable. I just think that the, game against, Kentucky, that. the game against Kentucky was... Okay, but, but, but did you hear the question I posed to these guys? I'm being no. very serious about this question. Let, yeah. Let's just assume for a second. The Southeastern Conference is the best conference in college football, although I think they got a lot of frauds. Maybe. They I got a lot know. of frauds. A lot of frauds. They, I don't know if they are, Tom. Okay, I'm but, an but, SEC guy. But, but here, I know you are. But, and here's a serious question, and, and I really mean this. We've said all along, and, and we're not telling anybody something they don't know, that, that LSU could throw this whole thing into complete chaos if somehow, some way, they were to beat Georgia. So we just played the hypothetical for a minute, okay? If LSU were to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, we know that LSU has two losses, okay? But it's still the SEC, okay? If you're the Southeastern Conference champion, you are going to play in a college football playoff. End of story. There's never been a two-loss team that got in the college football playoff going back to 14 when it started. They would be the first. But let me ask you this. If you add LSU wins that game, let's say they won and I posed it to them, they win by 10, 23 to 13. Just pick some number, right? But it's a 10-point game, okay? Ohio State's undefeated. TCU's undefeated. They're both in, okay? LSU's in because they're the Southeast Conference champ. If it came down to... Georgia who loses in the Southeast Conference Championship game, or USC who runs the table, has one loss, and that came on a two-point conversion, the final play of the game. So let's say, you know, they beat UCLA the other day. They beat Notre Dame this weekend, who's going to move up to probably top 10, top 11 this week. They would have to beat Oregon, who's going to be in the top 9 or 10 by the time they would play in the Pac-12 championship game. One loss USC team, Georgia. Who gets the fourth and final spot in the football playoff? <laughs> that is, that is, this is the most unbelievably ridiculous. Yeah, I can't imagine a world in which Georgia can't make the college football. No, unless they let lose me start by guys. I just laid one let out me, there for let you. Me start, let in. me start by saying, relatively Regardless. simply, LSU doesn't deserve to be in the college football playoff. They don't. Okay. What have they done exactly that makes you think that they're good? 
Now, the one thing that you could hang your hat on a little bit with Georgia, you could argue, is that, yeah, they have a lot of the pieces that they had last year that won a national championship. They also played essentially undefeated football until a game in which they had to earn to play. So they don't automatically put it this way. If there wasn't an SEC championship game, they would guaranteed be in the playoffs. Just because you win the SEC, in my opinion, doesn't afford you the ability to automatically make the top four. That, that league has gotten a lot of notoriety for good reason, because back in the day, you know, just like Alabama, what I was what I was explaining last week about Alabama is true. They're, they've earned the right to get the benefit of the doubt. The SEC's earned the right to get the benefit of the doubt because for the longest time, they have been the best league. But I don't believe that's the case as much as it used to be, personally. I think that there's some top echelon teams in that league. There's the Alabama and the Georgia. But for the longest time, Alabama and Georgia, in the last five years, has carried that league. It's, it's made that league appear better than it really is, in my opinion, from top to bottom. So having said that, I don't think just because you're the winner of the SEC, you automatically get in the playoff. That should not be the case. It's not the case for any other league. You don't ever say, well, if you win the Pac-12, you're automatically in. Or if you win the Big Ten, you're automatically in. Or if you win the ACC, you're not saying that about Clemson. So I don't think the SEC is that far up and away better than every other league to where you can say that about LSU personally. So I think if you laid out that exact scenario, LSU's out. All the other teams are in that you said. If LSU wins the SEC championship, who would have better wins than LSU? They'd have beaten Georgia, and they'd have beaten Alabama. And Ole Miss. Ole Miss? Well, I'm just that's saying. Where that's, I, that's, see, that's why I have a problem. And I'm See, now you guys have sabotaged me, and I'm arguing against the SEC. Throw, throw out so Ole Miss. Throw out Ole Miss. Who has better wins? You guys, I just sat in this chair last week and just told you straight to all of your faces, and Paul probably snickered at me when I said, Tennessee are frauds. They went down to South Carolina, and they proved they're frauds. There's no one in the SEC that is elite-level team outside of Georgia. That's it. Okay, hold on a second. If, if that's true, them. what you just said, if you believe that Tennessee is a fraud, Correct. those were your words? Tennessee is a fraud. Then tell me another good win that Georgia they has beat, had. They beat one of the, arguably one of the best top 10 teams in the country, Oregon. They beat them by 50. Well, That's where, the, that's where you draw the line. Okay, but I'm how saying much, outside of teams, that, who, I mean, outside, I'll give you that, but that's the first Vanderbilt game of the year where they beat them. nothing. Who? They beat Vanderbilt 55 Vanderbilt? Nothing. Listen, Oh, my listen. God. That same Vanderbilt team that beat Florida, who you guys were ranting and raving about week two. Not me. Listen, that no, no, no. Him. I that can keep Casey. going. They beat, they beat South Carolina 48-7. to seven. These things matter. Points matter. I mean, if Ohio State was just blitzing everybody all year long and they lost a field goal game to, to, to Michigan, I think we could all sit in here and say, hey, Ohio State 100% deserves to be in the college football Who's playoff. the only team in college football that's ranked in the top 40 that's won every game by double figures? There's two teams. Only one. Listen, there's only one. Two, two teams in the country. Two teams in the country that automatically should be in the college football playoff. It's Ohio State and it's Georgia. Outside of that, no one else gets guaranteed. But we're saying okay. if LSU TCU's wins TCU's got to be in. TC, Come on. And you're right. We, we're going we're gonna to take out. TCU's going to be. I don't want to steal your thunder. You've this, got the no, whole no, no, thing no, no, with no. the we'll just take playoff this, coming up. This whole CFP thing, we'll just swipe this right past it because I like getting in this with you. TCU 100% has to be in the college football playoff right now. If they're undefeated. No. Unless they lose the next two games, in my opinion, they have to be in. Look who they've beaten. Look what they've done. Why does no one want to talk about how they've beaten five, six ranked teams? I agree with no, you. No, we so, agree with that. That's why I'm saying if they finish undefeated, they have to be in. Well, why even undefeated, Tom? Well, because I think that their league 
I mean, I know what you're saying. I think top to bottom, the very top and the very bottom, that that's the best conference, the most competitive conference this year. Yeah. I really do. I think the Big 12, you know, look, Oklahoma's been, you know, totally, they're not an Oklahoma team, but you don't want to play Oklahoma. People don't want to play Oklahoma. I agree. And they're really not very good. Texas, another one of these. I don't know who wants to play Texas. I still maintain the, the most dangerous team right now outside of the big four or five that nobody wants to play, maybe, maybe five, six, seven, is Kansas State. They're a good team, too. They've that, got a good team. You're bringing up, a, you're bringing up all valid points as to why TCU doesn't, doesn't have to even win all their games. Well, I don't but think you and I both know they're not getting in if they lose. They're not. It's not happening. Unless, well, unless it, just, uh, you know, Georgia, SC Georgia, gets boat raced and, you know, no, Clemson gets beat by somebody. Not even that, right? Whatever. Like, what happens if Georgia blows out LSU in the, champ, in the SEC championship game and Ohio State blows out Michigan? When I say blow out, two-score two win. 14 points or more, 10 points or more, whatever it may be. What, who, who deserves to be in the college football playoff more than TCU with one loss? I, I can't argue with you. Yeah. Nobody. I can't argue with you. Can't argue so the only that. other factor you're you're admitting to at that point would be LSU. LSU does it. Come on, I don't believe LSU. Well, with it. three losses, that won't happen. Well, if I'm saying I'm three. saying if they were to somehow beat Georgia, I still don't think they get in over LSU or over TCU. Mm, I don't know. Reed points out. I mean, you know, you can say whatever you want about Tennessee, but but that would mean in the same year that LSU beats Alabama and Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I'm not disagreeing. Pretty good, and, and TCU doesn't have that kind of win. They so it, I mean, it's good. They have a lot more really good wins, but they don't have Alabama and Georgia. See that that's where your bias he gets in the way because Al- you, Alabama's you, win shouldn't be that big of a deal. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. To Alabama, you think TCU has already punched their ticket? I personally think TCU has done enough to be in the college football playoff with one loss. So you have you already have three guaranteed teams. Is that correct? You got. Georgia, OSU, and TCU. Yeah. So who do you think is number four? Just curious. Well, it comes down to it comes down to what what Ohio USC State looks like, Ohio what and what and what Michigan looks like, and what Clemson looks like. That's it. Those are your three teams. Man, that if are Clemson left. sneaks back in, that's no just, way. No if way. If they sneak no, back no in, way. that would just be terrible. the door's open there. Yeah, it is open, but no way. They're not getting in. But all right, boys. Big Thanksgiving week this week. Much to be yeah, thankful right. for. Right here at Chatterbox Sports. Um, even though it's a constant battle with Casey and Paul, we're grateful. (laughs) Boys, take it away. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom.